I'm back in my phase of wanting a puppy. Do not get a puppy. I'm not getting a puppy. There's no way I'm getting a puppy. You're totally getting a puppy. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Jeanette Volturno of Catchlight Studios and Julie Harris Walker of Catch a Break Podcast about how they're working to make Hollywood more diverse. Yes, they're not just talking about it, they're doing it, and they are tackling this issue, Sarah, in many ways. Um, we're going to hear about all of them. Yes, and then we have a hack that's good for adults working from home and fun for kids having distance playdates, too. Okay, Sarah, we have a lot to cover, so we are going to dive right into from the treadmill desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's Catch Light Studios. We're going to talk about their work, which includes a studio, a production company, an amazing podcast, and so much more. There's a team of women behind Catchlight Studios. Today, we're joined by two of them, and they are tackling the lack of diversity in Hollywood in a major way. Jeanette Volturno, co-founder of Catchlight Studios, has produced seven franchises. In 2012, Jeanette joined Blumhouse as the head of production, where she worked on over 60 feature films, including the Academy Award-winning pictures Whiplash and Get Out. Prior to this role, Jeanette worked as a line producer on the hugely successful Paranormal Activity and Insidious franchises, which laid the foundation for Blumhouse's success. Julie Harris-Walker is the producer and host of the podcast The Other 50%, a herstory of Hollywood, where Julie talks to successful women in entertainment and shares their stories. She also hosts the Catch a Break podcast, which we'll talk about today. It's the insider's guide to breaking in and navigating Hollywood. Julie has spent the last 25 years in L.A. working in the entertainment industry as a commercial producer, production auditor at Disney, production finance executive at HBO and the Weinstein Company, VP of sales for entertainment partners, and currently SVP West Coast operations for Greenslate. Along the way, she has had three amazing children, written a book about pregnancy discrimination in corporations, you'll never have a baby in this job again, and become a passionate advocate for gender equality and diversity. That book sounds amazing, I by know. the way. Julie and Jeanette, welcome. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for being here during this time in our country when so many of these issues are at the forefront. It seems important right now, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. So we have a lot of ground to cover, and we're going to get to the Catch a Break podcast, which you host, Julie, and talk about the special live series you're doing about how production can return after COVID-19, which I'm 
super interested in. <laughs> but we want to start, Jeanette, with hearing about Catchlight Studios and Kruvi, the production database you're all creating. So we're recording this on June 5th, and protests over the systemic racism in our country are going on all over. And we've known forever that there is entrenched racism in Hollywood and everywhere, both behind and in front of the camera. Your work combats that in a very concrete way. Yeah, so let's start with let's start with Kruvi. When I was running production at Blumhouse, I was in a unique position where I was able to hire people on a crew and I could have some influence on who the department heads were. And so I was helping people to move up and take chances and shift job positions and I could help bring people into the industry in certain positions. And that was really exciting to me. And I realized that trying to get more women in or people of color or any diversity on a crew was, it was hard because there wasn't enough people in the pool to actually bring up. So Marcy Brown, who is my partner on this project, and I sat there and thought about okay, how do we find these people? Where are they? And how do we identify them, train them and help them move up? And we sat down and made a wish list of all of the things that we wished. And it didn't exist out there. Mm -hmm. We couldn't find a tool set out there to help us find and cultivate these people. So we found these amazing women who have a company called Wonder Women Coders, and they teach other women how to code, and they became our business partners. We pitched the idea of creating a database that was an inclusive global database. And here I'm going to show my age because I like to refer to it as like a Rolodex, but nobody uses that <laughs> term anymore, <laughs> where people could identify themselves however they wanted to identify themselves. So they could choose, I want to be known as a woman who is over 40, who is a veteran, or I want to be uh, a man who speaks Spanish, whatever. There's 20 or so different categories that you can choose to identify as. So there's a couple different ways that you can get into the database. Either a production company has a show and they enter you into the database and you'll get a notification that you've been entered in it because you're now on the crew list for that. Or you can go in and enter yourself in there or a company can put you in there. But in any case, you get a notification saying that you're in this database. You can suppress your information if you don't want to be in the database or you can embrace it and you can say, here's who I am. I am a camera operator who is an aspiring DP. So now I can search under camera operator and I can search under aspiring DP who is a woman who is over 40. Great. Now I can mm. search for a camera operator who is an aspiring DP who is a woman who is over 40, who is in the LGBTQ community, who is a person of color, who speaks Spanish, who has a passport, any huh. of those criterias. And you can really refine what it is that you're looking for. So that putting together a crew and a workforce, you have the ability to be able to level certain people up. It's so good because we've found in recent years, we might issue a mandate to production. We want a more diverse crew, more women, more people of color. And everyone says, yes, 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 that's what we want too. Yes, we're doing our best. And then nothing happens. 
you go to the set and you go, well, this looks exactly like all of our other shows. Exactly. It feels like this is sort of the answer to that so that people can't say, no, we can't find anyone. They're just not out there. This is how you find them. We could just hand them this tool yes. and then they can be found. What I really love about the group of people that I'm working with and the team of everybody is everything that we've done from the database to the studio, to the management company, to the podcast has been pulling our boots up ourselves. And we built this database for ourselves because it was a, a piece of a toolkit that we needed. And it was something that we realized that the rest of the community needed as well. I sat on the board of the low budget film committee for the IATSE agreement, the contract. And one of the issues of getting people into the union is that if you're a company and you've signed a union contract and you're adhering to those rules, you are obligated to hire a union first. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to hire a non-union person. Mm -hmm. So there's the catch-22 of getting people into the union. It's all fair and good that you say, okay, you're an aspiring person who wants to move into this position and you're in this position, but how do you actually get into that next position, right? Right. So yeah. one of the big, big pieces that we were able to accomplish last year, and this happened in November of 2019, was the IATSE low-budget theatrical contract and the team that created it from the IATSE side, from the union side, and from the producer's side came up with a piece of language that says... Notwithstanding all of the above, which is hiring first off of a roster, an employer can hire one person per production from a bona fide industry training program at the rate that's applicable to their classification in consultation with that affected union. So that means that you can bring in one person on any production in a low-budget theatrical contract, in a low-budget setting, into the union. That's a game changer. Now we can start Huge. bringing people in. Is that one person in every union? One person in many unions. unions. Well, in the IOPS, okay. one person in like you can bring in one person for hair and makeup or one person for wardrobe or one person for grip or one person for craft service. One person on the entire show. So it's slow going. But if you think about it, I was averaging 15 low budget productions per year at Blumhouse. Mm. So... There's a very symbiotic relationship between the low-budget world, the independent world, and the rest of the industry. You need the low budgets in order for people to get in, for everyone to learn how things work, for people to move positions, mm -hmm. for creativity, and for trying out new ways of doing things. It's not just we're doing it low budget because we're cheap. It's a whole learning ground for people. Right. That's where people cut their teeth. You don't come out of film school and go straight into a Michael Bay film. It, it, it yeah. rarely happens. <laughs> One thing that I'm thinking as you're talking is you all are really focused, obviously, on Hollywood and the mechanics of Hollywood. But it feels like something like this would work in other industries as well. God, I'm so glad that you said that. We dream that the same database, the same application could be used for other industries all over the world. It can be used for hospitality. It can be used for finance. It can be used for anything that you're looking for. We just did a Zoom session with a group of people from the studios and from the Irvine Foundation and from Deloitte who are trying to crack how to change 
the fabric of our industry. And one of the things that they asked us was this database that you've created, it feels like it's very attuned to people who are on set. And I said, yes, but with a few more job classifications into it, it can be for anybody who is coming into the studio and wants to work on the corporate side of things. So you can change it to be corporate as well by just changing the titles of how you're calling people instead of a camera operator, you're looking for an accounting exec. Well, Kruvi is amazing and we will absolutely be using it moving forward. Thank you for, oh, awesome. for creating that resource. You know, we would love your feedback on how it can help with the writing side, with the creative side, because that's an area that's way yeah. more fluid. Mm-hmm. The search criteria it needs to be adjusted a little bit more for the writing artist side of things. So we, w- we would love to work with you and figure out how the languaging works and that side of things. Absolutely. Excellent. Let's do it. Good. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and you also have number one rule management. Explain mm-hmm. first what the number one rule is. The number one rule that we've said our entire careers is take care of your crew. That is the number one rule. If people ask us, like, what's the secret sauce behind the production? How can you keep creating all of these productions at a low price and doing it over and over, the repeatable thing? The answer is, it's not a playbook, it's not a defined technique, it's not a mold, it's success, it's the success is simply the return on investment from the people and the craftsmen that we work with and that we support. We support them, we allow them to thrive, and they come back and figure out how to create what it is that we're asking on all of these projects. So the number one rule is, if you take care of your crew, they will take care of you. And so we created a management company to train, hire, and retain people and individuals in, and we're focusing in Los Angeles first, in the most vulnerable people that are impacted and underrepresented in the population, and train them and employ them through the production partnerships that we have through our studio and through our originals. And how do you find people to train? What is your reach out So we're working with a woman named Alexa, who is a dear friend who worked at Homeboy Industries for several years, and she is helping us through outreach programs find and partner with particular organizations. We're not trying to reinvent a wheel. There are people out there that are helping people get into certain programs and outlets, and so we're partnering with them to help create a roster of people that we can pick from and help bring into the industry and then train and then give them more tools. They need to learn how to network. It's well and good to bring one person in and you give them their first job. But what happens after that job? The issue is, is they haven't networked with people, right? There's no foundation for them to say, okay, that's great. I did my first thing, but now what do I do? Right. And that's, Part of why we created the Catch a Break podcast is because when I was an exec, I would have all these kids come in and say like, hey, you know, can I take 10 minutes of your time and buy you a cup of coffee? And I was doing five, six, seven of these meetings per week. And I realized if I keep this up, I'm going to be over caffeinated and never get (laughs) anything done. And they're not asking the right questions. And I feel like 
if we could create this in a podcast, that it would be something that would be a little bit more evergreen and it could help people answer those questions. So I came to Julie and she had done the other 50% in the history of Hollywood and was a dear friend. And I pitched her this idea with our friends and she was like, hell yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yes. People come to Hollywood and they don't even know what jobs exist. I know we had no idea that there was such a thing as TV writers when we were growing up. We, <laughs> we just were thought very it appeared. <laughs> we're from the Midwest. Hollywood was not on our radar. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to discuss the Catch a Break podcast and the live series that you're doing about how the industry is addressing COVID-19. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, let's talk about the Catch a Break podcast. I think it is so excellent and just really getting into the nitty gritty. Yeah, thank you. I think we're all in that position. Unless you were born and raised in Hollywood and came up in the industry, you come to Hollywood and you see that there are actors and directors and you assume that maybe there's writers and that's it. When really there are thousands of jobs in Hollywood and no matter what your skill set or passion or whatever is, there's probably a job for you if you only knew about it. So of course, it was very funny because I was interviewing Jeanette for the other 50%. And at the end of that podcast, she started pitching the Catch a Break <laughs> podcast. And I was like, yeah, great idea. And then as soon as I turned off the recorder, she said, well, do you want to do it? <laughs> and then you've just met Jeanette. Of course I said yes. yes. The first season was really... Let's start at the beginning, like episode one, and we would gather panels of experts in all of these things that we were talking about. So season one was, how do you get your first internship? And then once you're in the internship, how do you parlay that into getting your first job? How do you network? How do you talk to people? What should your resume look like? And then once you have your first job and say it's on set, how do you behave on set? Like the things nobody tells you until you've made some big mistakes that could derail your mm -hmm. career on your first day, right? So it was when you show up, here's what you need to know. Here's how you need to act. We even did a video on how to use a walkie-talkie. Because even if you've gone through film school and you come out, <laughs> you may know how to direct a feature film, theoretically. You don't know all the little pieces that nobody tells you about until you're actually in the industry figuring it out. So the whole first season was really all those little bits and pieces of things you may not even know, questions you may not know to ask. We went through a call sheet and talked about every single position 
on a set. Oh my God. I wish I had had that when we saw our first call sheet. We That's amazing. We it. <laughs> it's reminding me, Sarah, on our very first show, they kept talking about the swing set. And I yeah. thought, well, why do we need a swing set? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> swing set. I don't Are there get kids it. around? I thought like, like playground <laughs> on the, I didn't understand. Yeah. I was so yeah. baffled. <laughs> We did a whole episode on what is the language and what do all those yes. words yes. mean? Yes. Because yes. you spend your first year walking around writing things down like, what does that mean? Yes. <laughs> so we did that. That was season one. Yeah. And trying not to look like you're just like completely wide eyed and know nothing. You have to like pretend right. you know, but you don't know. <laughs> you got to be cool, man. Yeah. And the thing that really, um, that really gets me on these things is we're talking about bringing in people in underserved communities. And this is a freelance industry. And Mm. people really don't get that when they first get in. So we did a whole show on, listen, you know, you're going to get paid really well on one show, and then you're going to be off for who knows until you get your next show. How do you create a budget for a year and sustain yourself on that? And what do you need to know about what it's like working freelance? How do you operate within those things? And those are the things that I think really make or break it for people who come into this industry, because you have to realize you are not living on a 52 week a year paycheck. You are living freelance. So assume that you're going to get paid nine months out of the year instead of 12 months out of the year and spread that out. We tell every staff writer on their first job, remember, this is your first job and it's hard to get the second job and you don't know how long it's going to be. And suddenly you're going from making assistant money to making writer money. You just have to remember to stretch it out. 100%. Exactly. And the other piece we did was on our website, we added a bunch of bonus material. So like the day we talked about call sheets, there was a call sheet you could download and follow along. Nice. We printed out the glossary so people could follow along because you really wanted to make it a learning environment and a teaching tool. And I want to just mention right now that's catchabreakpodcast.com. And of course, we'll mention it again, but just for everybody, (laughs) you got to just make that a regular place you go. Okay, Julie, so you've been talking to all kinds of people in all kinds of jobs. Is there something they have in common, do you think, that makes people successful? Oh, for sure. I mean, one of the funny things is we ask everybody, what was your first job and how did you get it? And there is no story that is the same. So there's a lesson. Mm. There is no path. There is no method. There is no checklist. Mm -hmm. But the thing that really, uh, and Jeanette, add on to this, but the things that really make people make it is showing up, your work ethic, asking questions, being helpful, not having an ego, persisting, All of those qualities that really can go across any job that you have, those are the things that really get people to make it. I agree wholeheartedly. It's so true. I we always say, like, if you get coffee with enthusiasm, (laughs) then you will end up getting the job as the writer's assistant the next season. Exactly. If you just seem like you want to be there, it goes such a long way. And get the coffee right. And confess and apologize if you make a mistake and (laughs) nothing is beneath you. Nothing is beneath anybody. And do the extra thing also. You know, like we had a writer's PA on the fix. She's a writer now because she was in the writer's room every day. She said, I want to be in there. And she didn't just go in once. We've had assistants who said they wanted to be in the room and then never actually show up in the room. She was in there every single second that she could be in there. 
And when you see that kind of passion, you're like, okay, we will do anything we can to support you and help you move forward. Exactly. And you have to have a real improv attitude. Everything should be yes and. Yes, Mm -hmm. I'll get you a coffee. And would you like a cookie with it? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Not for us. We want nuts, a bag of nuts. Or something. Yes. <laughs> of course, of course. Yes. We, we talk, yes. Don't be an evil donut bringer, we always say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Before we let you guys go, we have to talk about the live series you have been doing on the return to production after or during, I really yeah, should say, during. the COVID-19 pandemic. I know you've already started it. Tell us about it. I know people can go back and watch episodes they've missed. Um, What is it? Yes, well, you're not too late. We've only done one episode so far. We're going to do four in the series. And it's really, how do we go back to work in the COVID-19 era? Because we realize it's it's never going to be, well, someday it'll be post-COVID, but not for a long time. So how are we going to work within that environment? And so we wanted to attack it from a bunch of different areas. I know Everyone in the world is doing this series right now. So we wanted to make sure that we were doing it a little bit differently and from really all different kinds of perspectives. So our first episode, which we did the week before last, and you can find it on catchabreak.com. You can also find it on gslate.com. It's on Facebook. It's on YouTube. And it was, what are the protocols, which everyone is talking about, but also we had Malia Arrington, who's the executive director of the Hollywood Commission. We had Sonia J.F. Barnett, a certified intimacy coordinator, and we had Nancy Nair, Mm. a casting director, along with our very own Jeanette, to really talk about, besides going back to work and safety protocols, also how do we maintain a safe set for everybody in all meanings of that word? How do we not lose track of our diversity and inclusion work? How do we not lose track of our sexual harassment work? How do we make sure that even if we're all in hazmat suits, how are the actors safe and can come back to work? So it was a really good conversation. I'm really proud of how it went, especially now, a week later, the civil unrest that we're in, I'm so happy that we kept diversity and inclusion top of mind in that conversation. So then going forward, next week, we're going to feature some vendors and how they're pivoting to work in this new world, because everyone's been talking Mm. about so many things need to go digital, you know, accounting needs to go digital, payroll needs to go digital. What are we going to do on set as far as PPE and cleanliness? So we have a whole swath of vendors from all different aspects talking about how they're going to pivot to work in this new world, whether it's a digital workflow or dailies that happen faster or clean carts on sets to help people Mm protect against all of that. So that's our episode on June 11th. And then on the 18th, we're going to talk about the big elephant in the room, which is finances. It's insurance, bonds, budgets, Mm, financing, because we know producers are going to figure it out, right? How this is all going to work. Unless you can get bonded or get insurance, we're still at a dead end. So we're going to talk about what those aspects are going to look like as all that information comes out, how deals may be different if distribution is different. Mm. So we're going to talk about that piece. And then our final episode, we're going to go back a little bit to protocols, but really what kind of production do we think can come back first or now? We're going to have someone who has been shooting during this pandemic. Mm. We're going to talk to someone who does a variety of different genres to talk about which ones he thinks are going to be able to happen 
First, we're going to talk to the California Film Commissioner, Colleen Bell, to talk about kind of the landscape and the governor's recommendations and the AMPTP recommendations and how that all looks. Because we have a little theory that probably is going to be smaller independence, perhaps reality, mm. like those productions may be able mm -hmm. to come back first. We're guessing huge studio scripted series may come later just because they have so many people and so many moving parts. Although they also have the money to do everything that needs to be done protocol wise. So we're really going right. to discuss all of those and see where we end up. Here's what I want to know. This is the thing because they're starting to put out regulations and sort of plans and new processes for all of these things. But the one thing to me that's not getting addressed is air quality ventilation oh. systems on sets. I looked at the new production regulations that came out and it was like one bullet point in the midst of a miscellaneous <laughs> thing. And I'm just like, this is the air that, yes, stages are big, but they're, it's a very enclosed space and you're not letting noise in, you're not letting air from outside in. And that concerns me personally, and I don't feel like anybody's talking about that. <laughs> so if you have experts coming in, please ask them about set yes. air quality and what can be done to make the air quality safer, because yeah. it's, it should not just be a bullet point. Oh, man, yeah. there's a whole nother monkey wrench. We need to have <laughs> airplane HEPA filters in the studios. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Exactly. and it's, it's going to cost a lot, all yeah. of this. Yeah. So, you know, so right for yeah. outdoors right now. Yes. Oh, we are. Believe you me. We have been talking about that. <laughs> Everything we do, we're like, how can this be outside? Yes. Yep. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, the emotional yep. roller coaster of every time you have hope, then there's another monkey oh, wrench. No. Oh, no. Yes. Um, no, we are seriously everything we do. It's like, and they're walking outside. Yeah. Well, Jeanette and Julie, thank you so much for joining so much. us today. You are doing so many fantastic things. I hope people listen to this interview more than once so they can sort of get it all. Oh, thank um, you. And thank we you would, so much. We would love to talk about the database. Yes. Because that is an incredibly exciting thing you're doing. So we're excited about all of these pieces. It's so funny that you spend X amount of years sort of dreaming and and creating and putting all of these things together. And now they all feel like they're blossoming at the right time, which is such a nice feeling that you put so much love and care and nurturing into various projects from creating a studio that can really celebrate and partner with the craftsmen who help make the projects. And then the database that helps people find and discover new voices and talent and nurture them to come up through the system. And then a podcast that teaches people all of the things that you wish that you would have known when you first got into the industry, but nobody really told you about. And at film schools are teaching you more of the nuts and bolts on how to put things together. And they don't teach you how to actually live that life. Yes. So all of those pieces that are coming together, it's really wonderful time for us. And I'm super excited about what the future holds. And how can people access Crew V right now? So Crew V is like the life of crew, right? So it's crew. C-R-E-W-V-I-E-V.com. And you can just go and sign up and sign in. And it takes the place of a website for a lot of people. You can have all of your videos and your social media and all of that is included all in there. And yeah, it's kind of a one-stop place for people to be able to access it. Right. And of course, catchabreakpodcast.com, where you can access the live series about life during COVID-19. 
Julie and Jeanette, thank you so much for being here today. This was amazing. And we will definitely be talking to you, hopefully on the podcast in the future, but also not in person, but on Zoom, probably, or the phone. (laughs) (laughs) It was wonderful to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. Coming up, we're shifting gears with a Hollywood hack that grown-ups will love for work and kids will love for play. But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, which is an app. It's called Scribble Together. Yes, because obviously, as writers, we use whiteboards all the time, but we don't know when we're going to be working together in person again. So we needed a shared digital whiteboard, and we looked at a bunch, and they all seemed complicated. And Scribble Together is sort of like the Google Docs of whiteboards. It's simple and easy to share documents. And it's pretty cool. It's working very nicely for us. Yes, even I can figure it out. So you know, it's easy. (laughs) Also great for kids who want to draw with a friend or play Pictionary while they're zooming or color together while they chat. They can just go on Scribble Together and Scribble Together. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks so much to Jeanette Volturno and Julie Harris-Walker for joining us today. And you can listen to the Catch a Break podcast wherever you find podcasts. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Kraft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, listening to them talk about like going through all those things you don't know when you Uh first start... I remember how weird it was to me that if call time was at 3, then breakfast was 3 p.m. and (laughs) lunch was like 11 p.m. I know. Oh, we just knew nothing. Nothing. From the Onward Project.